Bible study Wednesday, September the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. We're going to be looking at a text from Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34. And as we all can recall, this is the anniversary of 9-11. And people were really depressed after that horrible situation that occurred. And Ezekiel 34 has something to say. Has something to say to every one of us. Whether we're in a situation of crisis or whether or not we're calm, it's something we need to remember. And I want to begin by saying, have you ever thought how Jesus came to the knowledge of what he was preaching about? Now, a lot of us think, well, he was God, and therefore he was all-knowing, and he knew everything. Well, it is true that as God, he is all-knowing, but when he was in a state of humiliation after he became incarnate, he did not make use of his divine prerogatives. Remember, he himself says in a state of humiliation, he didn't even know when the last day was going to occur. But now that he has risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, he is now making full use of all his divine prerogatives. So how did he learn what to say in preaching? He learned it from the Old Testament. So this Sunday, I'm sure a lot of pastors are going to be speaking about Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost sheep. Shepherd goes out, finds the lost sheep, puts it on his shoulders, carries it home. What has that got to do with the Old Testament? Well, Jesus would have read Ezekiel chapter 34, and we're going to take a look at it and see the insights in that chapter that are also clearly found in Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep. So, without further ado, it's Ezekiel chapter 34, beginning with verse 11. This so happens also to be the Old Testament reading for this coming Sunday, the 14th Sunday after Pentecost. For thus says the Lord God, okay, as soon as Jesus read this, he now is understanding this is what his father also believes. And now we take a look at what is the father saying. Verse 11. Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. Well, if that isn't really what the parable of the lost sheep is all about, because the shepherd goes to search for his sheep and seek them out. Now, the word sheep here would mean those of the elect, those who are going to be saved. There is a distinction between sheep and goats. You take a look, for example, at Matthew 25, and there you have the sheep who are going to heaven and the goats who are not. Now, how did the sheep get to heaven? They were searched out by Jesus. 
That's what he's talking about in that parable in Luke 15. And he got that from Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11, as well as other passages in the Old Testament. Now, he wants to explain what he means by this. Verse 12, as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I was talking to Mark Smith about this yesterday, and he said he had just heard that sheep are really pretty dumb. In in other words, when they get lost, they can't retrace their steps. They don't know where they're at. They don't know how to get back from where they have come. And here, boy, they're on a day of clouds and thick darkness. Now, remember, everything in the Bible is pointing to the spiritual reality. So when we talk about clouds and thick darkness, this would be the realm of the devil. Darkness at the bottom of the sea. Uh, There's a number of places here. And it's bad enough that sheep get lost. Now there's thick darkness. Have you ever been in a place recently? I was trying to remember where I... In fact, I was driving, and it was down a two-lane highway, and it was raining, and the stripes were not very clear, and it was like driving through darkness. Or have you ever gone through a fog when you're on the highway? I tell you, just slow down. Well, if you slow down at 20 miles an hour, you won't hit anything in front of you, but perhaps cars behind you who do not slow down will hit you. It's not easy to be driving around or as a lost sheep walking around in thick darkness. Verse 13, and I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. Now, yesterday I preached here at the International Center for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And I asked the question, in fact, I asked it to Mark yesterday, when was Abraham redeemed? And most people would say, well, when God told him he was going to have a child, he believed and God declared him righteous because of that faith. But the fact of the matter is, he believed So he had to have faith before God was telling him about what? That he and aged Sarah were going to have a child. And I made the point that that redemption occurred when Abraham was called by God to leave the land in which he was living and God was going to send him to another land and he would be a blessing to all the earth. Now, the land in which he was living was a land of idolatry. And therefore, this is what God is saying. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. And, of course, that's what God did. 
remember when Israel was boy in Egypt for 400 years under slavery, then God brought them out. He wanted to take them right into the promised land of Canaan, but they refused to do so because the spy says they're giants. So we're not going to be able to defeat them. I mean, this is amazing. They had just a couple of years before gone through the Red Sea. They had received manna. They had received meat. And they received water. And then they don't think God is strong enough to take care of the Canaanites. So God had them walk around in the wilderness another 38 years for a total of 40. But then... When they got to the land of Canaan, I will feed them, verse 14, with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. Jesus is reading this, and of course, In a sense, he's in the wilderness of Israel because of their unbelief and the spiritual leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, really against him. So he's looking to bring in the kingdom of God at that time, which is the Holy Christian Church. And of course, much of what he teaches is about the grazing land of heaven after the day of judgment. He picks up, I'm sure, these thoughts from places like Ezekiel 34. Now, in verse 15, God is speaking about himself, and Jesus has now come to the understanding that he is God. And he says, verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. Now, Jesus himself says a number of things. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. Right out of Ezekiel 34. And why make them lie down? Well, it's not that often, and I'm driving down the expressways to the various churches I preach at, and I'll see cattle. And it's not that often that I see them lying down because they're eating almost all the time. But when you see them lying down, I mean, how many times have you seen a horse lie down? And they do. And when sheep lie down, they have great contentment. They're, they're filled. They're not thirsty. And God will make them lie down, which means he's going to meet the needs that they have. That says the Lord God. Verse 16. Now, if this doesn't remind you of Luke 15, the lost sheep, I don't know what will. Verse 16 of Ezekiel 34. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed. And I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Ooh. Well, this is kind of interesting. The fat and the strong I will destroy. Why would he do that if they're fat and they're strong? That's 
in their own minds that they're so fat and strong. They have no need for a shepherd like Jesus. I mean, he's, first of all, a carpenter from Nazareth. How can he think he is the Messiah? And more so, when he says certain things, he's blaspheming because he's giving the impression that he is God. Well, the fat and the strong aren't going to listen to him. They don't need him in their minds. Though they are fat and strong, they are really thin and weak. A good example of that would be the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee, thank God I'm not like that tax collector over there because I do this, I do that for God. I'm fat, I'm strong. The publican, be merciful to me. Jesus says that Pharisee will not be saved, but the publican will be. And Jesus can easily have found this in Ezekiel 34 and many other places in the Old Testament. But I I believe that when the folks who put together the three-year calendar and they saw Luke 15, well, Ezekiel 34 jumped into their minds as a good background for what Jesus was saying in the parable of the lost sheep. Verse 17. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. And, of course, that reminds us of Matthew 25, the distinction between the sheep and the goats. Verse 18, is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? Now, what Jesus is doing here, he's kind of giving an analogy Here you're put into a wonderful pasture, and then for others that you don't think are worthy of going to heaven, you tread down with your feet the rest of their pasture. And yes, you can drink of clear water, but then you muddy the rest of the water with your feet. In fact, remember, at the beginning of Luke chapter 15, it indicates that there were three kinds of individuals there. There were the sinners that Jesus spoke about. There were the Pharisees and there was Jesus. And each of the parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost sons, each of them deal with those three groups of people. In the parable of the lost sheep, the 99 are the Pharisees who don't think they have any need to repent because God recognizes in their minds that they're perfect enough to go to heaven. So they therefore put down what they consider to be the sinners. The publicans, who were the tax collectors, were hated by the Pharisees because they were working for the Romans. Plus, when they gathered taxes, they gathered more than was necessary for the Romans in order to make themselves rich. That's why when Jesus found Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus promised to give back the money he had stolen. And that's where faith came in. 19. 
And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Now, how do the Pharisees do that? Well, once more, we are to digest the word of God, but the Pharisees weren't sharing the word of God. They were sharing the word of man. Every false teacher does that. He doesn't look to the Bible to see what is God saying. He looks within himself and says, here's what I say, because I'm clay and I have made God, which is absolutely true in their minds, because every false religion is really a caricature of what human beings think God should be like, not like he really is. So therefore, they scatter the word of God in such a way, they give the impression, no, you can be saved if you're like us, following the ceremonial laws. If you obey them, then you can be saved. That was their understanding. Verse 20. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns, Till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. In other words, he's not going to allow the false teachers to do the judging. God himself is going to do the judging. And, of course, the false teachers are never merciful in the sense they want to give a person what he or she deserves, and they think in their mind they deserve a lot because they are so perfect. And the weak, they don't deserve much at all because they're not following the ceremonial laws properly. So God's going to be judged between them, and when he rescues his flock, they shall no longer be a prey. Now, if you take a look at the New Testament when Jesus talks about being the good shepherd, He compares himself to a shepherd who runs away when a fierce animal is attacking the sheep because he does not own the sheep. He's only been hired to kind of keep them together, and therefore he runs away in contrast to Jesus, who doesn't not only not run away, he goes to the sheep and then saves the sheep By going to the cross. That's how he rescues them. And they shall no longer be a prey to whom? To the devil. See, this is you. You who are listening right now. You have been rescued by Jesus. And therefore the devil as a prey against you, he can do no harm. He's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him. That's Luther's, a mighty fortress is our God. Verse 23. Now here's God the Father again speaking. And boy, this really would help Jesus to understand his mission. God the Father says, 23, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant 
David. Remember, Jesus got into an argument with the Pharisees that David talks about the shepherd that is coming as one who came before him. And there's a big argument, of course. Before Abraham was, I am. And that was Jesus talking about himself being God and the shepherd. So Jesus is the new David. And he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Verse 24. Now here we get a portion of the Holy Trinity. And I, the Lord, will be their God. Now, in some English translations, the word Lord is capitalized each letter. That is referring not to the word Lord, for example, that's written in verse 20, that doesn't have capitalizations, but is the name of God, Yahweh. Well, when did that occur? Well, we know for sure when Moses was on Mount Sinai at the burning bush, and he was told, okay, uh, you go to Egypt and basically rescue my sheep take them from that land and take them to another land. And and Moses says, what's your name? They're going to ask me, who told you this? And Jesus says, I am the Lord. I am who I am. Yahweh is kind of what we think the Hebrew was. The trouble is, in the Old Testament, they didn't use vowels when it was originally written. So it's Y-H-W-H, and we're assuming the first vowel is an A and the second is an E. And the reason we don't know that is that when the Jews read the Bible, they never would say the word Yahweh. They would say the other word for Lord, Adonai, because they did not want to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So we're not really sure the exact pronunciation of it. Uh, Unfortunately, Jehovah Witnesses transliterated it using Adonai, and they ended up with Jehovah. God never was called Jehovah, but because it's so popular, kind of a name, we don't mind using it even in hymns, referring, of course, to God. And when he says, I, the Lord, will be their God, therefore Jehovah or Yahweh will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. Well, where do we get that from? That's from Daniel 7, where God the Father is the Ancient of Days. And if you read Daniel 7, you'll find out that he sends the Son of Man, his servant, to earth to save it in order to rescue the sheep. And therefore... He is not only the Son of Man, he is not only the Redeemer, he's the Prince of Peace. And that's what verse 24 of Ezekiel 34 is saying. So what you have in verse 24 are the first two persons of the Holy Trinity. I, the Lord, that's God the Father, will be their God, and my servant David... That's Jesus Christ 
shall be the prince among them. And then, you know, at the end of sermons, what do we often say? We say the word amen. That's actually a vow, meaning what I have said is truly true. Jesus kind of ends Ezekiel 34 as he reads it with verse 24. I am the Lord, I have spoken. And that's really critical. Because once the Lord speaks, that settles it. And that's what's so important about Ezekiel 34. So if you want to have a background to Luke chapter 15, Jesus' parable of the lost sheep, look at Ezekiel 34. I am the Lord, I have spoken. Which reminds me, on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we had talked about the ELCA now deciding they're in fellowship with all religions, whether they're Christian or not. Well, I thought that was bad. But on tomorrow, we're going to talk about pastors who declare that they are atheists and the denomination is not removing them. Till tomorrow, God bless. Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.